2: a quarterback competition dilemma, biggest spring practice offensive questions, biggest spring practice defensive questions, USC's attendance battle with the NFL, viewer questions, the panel answers, and bobblehead giveaway. Hi, everybody. My name is Greg Katz and welcome to WeRSC's Inside the Trojans Huddle. Inside the Trojans Huddle is a game-like panel discussion with WeRSC columnists and staff writers. We start with the pregame show where we introduce our panel members in the Trojans give you the latest USC Trojans news as well. First, let's meet this week's panelists, Mark Culkin, we are SC columnist who writes the Monday Morass, Yay or Nay, Sunday Takeaways, in addition to regular season practice reports. Chris Arledge, former William Jewell College defensive back and team captain, and we are SC columnist who writes the popular column, Musings with Arledge. Eric McKenney, publisher and editor-in-chief of WeRSC.com, and Greg Katz, that's moderator of Inside the Trojans, and we are columnist who writes the obvious and not so obvious, and IMHO Sunday. Before we kick off, here's the latest USC football news. Super Bowl 56, won by the Los Angeles Rams over the Cincinnati Bengals at SoFi Stadium on Sunday, included a number of USC Trojan dignitaries, Spotted and confirmed were head coach Lincoln Pro Football Hall of Famers Anthony Munoz and Tony Baselli, former All-American tailback Reggie Bush, USC athletic department official Brad Sosta, and USC quarterback Caleb Williams. And let's not forget former USC wide receiver great Robert Woods, who was unable to play for the Rams on Sunday due to recovering from an ACL surgery. Former two- time USC All-America offensive tackle Tony Baselli, who played for the Trojans in 1992 through 1994, was publicly announced as pro football's latest USC Hall of Fame inductee and will represent the Jacksonville Jaguars, the team that originally drafted him out of college. Tony is already a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, the USC Athletic Hall of Fame, and the Cotton Bowl Hall of Fame. And have you ever wondered how big the Caleb Williams transfer from Oklahoma to USC meant? Just know that Caleb, who has yet to throw a pass for the Trojans, appeared last week, as many of you know, on ABC's Good Morning America with Robert Roberts, and Caleb was wearing a Cardinal and Gold uh, USC college shirt. And five Trojans have been invited to the NFL scouting combine, Drake London, Drake Jackson, Keontae Ingram, Chris Steele, and Isaac Taylor Stewart. And as a uh, administrative addition, USC has hired Ohio State's Weston Zernickel as the new Assistant Director of Player Personnel. And finally, friends, we are SE's Inside the Trojans Huddle. Greatly appreciate your viewership and listenership. We appreciate and encourage those of you that are watching on sites like YouTube. invite you to click on the Red subscriber button and hit the like button as well. It's all greatly appreciated and it's free. All right, it's time for the opening kickoff and our first quarter overwhelming attention has been focused on the trojans transfer quarterback caleb williams and if you were usc quarterback miller moss who's returning you'll be competing with caleb in the spring how would you panel uh, handle the whole caleb situation leading up to spring ball and what would be your mindset during spring ball and afterwards if you don't win the job mark you're our leadoff hitter as usual if you were caleb williams how would you or excuse me if you were miller moss how would you uh uh, handle the whole situation?
1: I'd handle it the way I've been handling it. i waiting for spring camp to start and I'm going to go show my new head coach that you know what I know you've got your predetermined Heisman hopeful starter standing right next to you in Caleb Williams but you know I'm here and I'm going to show what I'm going to do and you know I've been around here I've watched football long enough. I played the game long enough. Uh, I'm one play away. So, you know, I Miller's a smart kid. He he's not gonna just walk away. Um, that's just not who he is. He's had if he was gonna do that, I think he would have done it by now. And even if he somehow doesn't win the competition, um, you know, he's again he's gonna stick around. He's the second man up. There's no there's no one behind him. He knows that. So, um, you know, sorry for the short answer, but there's, there's really, for me, there's no other way to look at it.
2: Chris Arledge, is there any other way to look at it? How would you approach it?
0: There might be another way to look at it, but, but Mark's right. Miller Moss doesn't have a problem. Uh, as Mark mentioned, he's one play away. Uh, and you're talking about, uh, being one play away behind a quarterback who runs around a lot, um. At some point, it's not impossible to imagine Caleb Williams getting dinged and and Miller Moss going in. Besides, Moss has four more years of eligibility left. Caleb Williams will likely be gone in two. And that means that the real competition for Miller Moss happens in two years with with Malachi Nelson. If he loses that competition, then he probably has to go somewhere else where he can play. But there's no reason to assume he'll lose that competition. He will have three years of college football under his belt at that point, two with Lincoln Riley, who's a great... Uh, who's a great uh, quarterback developer, uh, he will know the system very well. Um, and while Nelson is a good athlete, I don't think he is the, the type of dual threat that Caleb Williams is. I don't think he's a guy that's going to go 80 yards uh, on a scramble. And so the athleticism gulf that exists between Moss and Williams probably won't exist to the same degree right. with with, uh, with Nelson. And Nelson, while he's a five-star quarterback, uh, hasn't yet proven it at the college level. And we know that five-star quarterbacks don't always pan out. So if I'm Miller Moss, I'm going to learn what I can over the next two years. I'm going to play if need arises. Hopefully it won't. Uh, And then I'm going to try to win that quarterback competition in a couple of years and and have two years as a starting quarterback in a high-powered Lincoln-Riley offense.
2: Eric McKinney, you're in the shoes of Miller Moss. How do you handle it?
3: What do you do? You guys convinced me I'm sticking around. That's it. That's all. That's all I needed here. No, it, it, it absolutely makes sense. You look at USC's quarterback position and, and you got to go back to 2017 before you find a, a year where the starter went all the way through. 2018, you, the backup came in right away. Uh, 2019, um, you know, dinged up and, and you got guys kind of coming in off the bench there. 2020 Keaton Slovis made it all the way through, but that that's a six game year. And he's done at the end of that season, that, that Oregon game, he's out. If they had to play, you know, the the rest of the year, a a full season, he's not there. Uh, And then this, this past year too, um, you know, where they had to go three deep again, same thing in in 2018, they had to go three deep. So again, it's, it's not something that is absolutely insane that the backup would have to go in. Uh, I think Miller Moss at this point, yeah, spring ball is, is kind of a, a guarantee. You see what goes on and, and how that happens this season. Same thing. I, I'd stick it out and, and see what happens there at that point. Boy, you're real close to a USC degree. And for someone like Miller Moss, where that means that that means a lot. I don't know how you could pick up and, and leave before that spring ball, because like you said, I, you know, it, it's kind of. It's tough for him to have a guy like Caleb Williams come in. Had it been just anyone else who maybe had no experience in the Lincoln Riley offense, you think, all right, he'll fight for it. And, and maybe Miller wins this spring. I don't think there's any, any thought that he's going to beat out Caleb Williams, but like, like you guys said, playing the long game, if you want to be the USC starting quarterback, you can't do that. If you transfer somewhere else, you've got to be at USC to try to make that happen. So I think there's a lot of reasons for him to stick around and again take that fight to malachi nelson or, or down the road when you're older and and can fill in um or step in i guess after caleb Williams. so uh, again a lot of reasons where on the surface someone looking at this would go hey you got to go you got to try to play somewhere else but i think looking at it kind of deeper th- there are a lot of reasons uh for him to stick around and, and stay at usc
2: Yeah, you know, I think that uh, it's all about the big picture with Miller Moss. I think he's a real competitor. I think that he'll be learning. He knows that he doesn't know the offense like Caleb Williams knows. So he knows that Caleb's going to look better even if he wasn't, quote, Caleb Williams. Um, You know, the bottom line to me is that he looks at that big picture, as you guys have already mentioned, and he knows uh, based on basically with Jackson Dart going, it was addition by subtraction. So he's up to behind Caleb. We know that Caleb uh, uh, carried the ball, I think it was an average of something like six times a game or something of of that nature, close to it. Uh, I think that uh, Miller's in really actually a good position. He's going to have no real pressure. Uh, If he says, look, I'm going to give it my best shot, whatever happens, happens. But using that big picture to me is the real key that he sees uh, a bigger thing. And you know what? I wouldn't discount him at all uh, as far as his future is concerned at USC because we got a running quarterback as well as a passing one. Anything can happen. We all know that. I think we saw that uh, in the last couple of years, and I think Miller Moss has seen it as well. So uh, I think he will battle, and that's the most important thing. Just do what you can do. All right, let's go on to the second quarter. Well, with this spring practice uh, cycle arriving, what we think will be shortly, what do you, the panel, see as the biggest question marks or challenges regarding offense? Eric, with you.
3: Uh, It's the offensive line. Um, Again, we always talk about the offensive line. I don't think it's necessarily you know, who are the starters or are they going to be good or whatever it's, it's how quickly can they figure out how to run Lincoln Riley's offense? And can they do it at a level that some of these Oklahoma offensive lines have done at that 2018 uh, Oklahoma offensive line. And and some of those that that have just kind of shoved guys to the NFL there. Can USC get that done right now with this very veteran offensive line that there are guys coming back that absolutely know how to play football and played well last year, how quickly can they sort of turn themselves into the type of offensive line that Lincoln Riley needs that can control the line of scrimmage and blow guys off the ball? Are they fast enough to kind of pull the way Lincoln Riley is going to ask them to to pull? How how quickly do they get into kind of that state of mind and and everything you need to be the offensive line that USC, that Lincoln Riley needs uh, to run his offense? I'm going to be watching that because... Ultimately, the group of wide receivers, the group of running backs, someone good is going to line up at those spots for USC this year, but h- how good that offensive line can get quickly uh, is what I'm watching this spring.
2: All right, Mark Culkin, what are you, what are you looking at as the challenges of the question marks for you in terms of the offense in general?
1: So, you know, Eric, always, he brought up the offensive line, and I'll, I'll continue from there, and I'm going to go to a different position group, but with the offense here's what everyone i think is has to accept the roster is set through spring camp if there's not going to be any additions to the offensive line group until after spring camp and that's if it happens so with everything that eric was talking about you know picking up the offense doing it the right way yada 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 if you bring some guys in after spring camp during the summer you're basically back to step one ground zero again so they know what they're getting with the offensive line group. It's now just picking who's the starters, identifying who are the starters, who are the, who are the backups. Um, so I kind of disagree with Eric a little bit, uh, which is odd because usually I'm usually lock and step with him. I think the difference where the challenge is going to be is going to be with the wide receiver group. Uh, for the first time in, in a while, USC doesn't have a number one wide receiver. So you've got a lot of talent in that group. You've got a bunch of guys who transferred in. All of a sudden, you know, you you had an alpha guy. Now you don't have an alpha guy to kind of control the group, to kind of keep the pack. In. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, who steps up out of that group to kind of say, hey, I'm number one, and everyone kind of rally around me. And how Lincoln's going to kind of, and the wide receiver coaches, uh, there's three of them as of they're going to use. So how they're going to be able to, you know, kind of corral that group. It's going to be interesting to me.
2: All right, we uh, we are in a unique position because uh, Chris, you have played college level. You know how much you have to learn playbook. Uh, from your perspective, the challenge of learning the playbook and fu- functioning at maximum capacity is a big challenge for uh, the offense.
0: Yeah, it is a big challenge. Cohesion is always really important for an offense. I mean, defensive players have to play together and they have to be on the same page, but you can take a great edge rusher and stick him in the game and he'll be a great edge rusher from day one. And it doesn't really matter that much if the will linebacker is, uh, is out to lunch. that guy's still gonna do his job and be effective. Offense doesn't work that way, which is why early in fall camp and, and in spring camp, you usually see the defense ahead of the offense. So offense requires cohesion. It requires coming together and, and, and working together in, uh, in a special way. Now think about this. Not only does the not only do all the returning USC players have a completely new system to learn, but you're going to get major minutes and contributions from people from Colorado, Oklahoma, Oregon, Stanford, Virginia, and modern day high school. Um, that's a lot of guys from a lot of different places learning a new system. It's not a matter of of bringing in two or three guys from the outside and incorporating them into a system where everybody else is is really on the same page. That's the biggest challenge. USC's offense will be the best offense in the Pac-12 by the end of the season. The question is, how long does it take to get there? And do they drop a game or two along the way that they should not have lost while they're trying to get set? And that's what we're going
2: to find out. Well, I don't think it's going to be as much about frontline players. Uh, The challenge it's going to be who backs up the frontline players. I can tell you right now, Caleb Williams is going to start at quarterback. I can tell you right now that unless we have a major LA earthquake, we know that uh, Travis Dye is going to be the starting running back. We know basically, probably, I would say, maybe uh, 40 – or 80% we know who's going to start on the offensive line. I think wide receiver is going to be fascinating to watch. I think there's talent. I think the new talent coming in, I think um, Mario Williams, you'll be starting at one wide receiver. Uh, it seems inevitable that he will be doing that. Uh, you know, it's, it's possible that Jerry Rice's son will uh, may pick up the other spot. If he lives up to uh, the preseason or pre spring practice billing, uh, I think that who's going to back up these guys. Uh, We know the offensive line, as we said, we know that, uh, you know, Nealon's going to start at center. We know that uh, Bobby Haskins is going to start at either left or right tackle. We know that, you know, where is Dietrich going to be, but who's going to back up Dietrich? Where is Cortland Ford going to be? Uh, You know, there's, uh, you know, Monheim. We kind of know who's going to be uh, in the mix there. It's how quickly to me the not only do the players have to learn the new system that some of the coaches have to learn the new system as well uh you got an off new offensive line coach and hansen uh you know we know that uh, lincoln riley likes to pull his offside guard and tackle and stuff but i think that's all fundamental stuff it's just a matter of terminology but i think overall i think the the offense will be easy to figure out the starters it's going to be more of Who is going to back up? But even more important that we may not find out in the spring is who's coming in after spring ball. That's the big key. Because I think, and I I could be wrong here, Mark, you might be able to chime in on this too. Look, I've heard that spring practice is going to start on March 7th. I've heard it's going to start later. I I did some investigation on it when uh, Lincoln Riley was at Oklahoma. His spring practices generally started late in March and they had a late in April spring game. Uh, and I started thinking, well, of course, that was Oklahoma. What do we have now for offense? But the point I think I'm th- thinking about is if he does have a late spring practice, despite the fact that he says, well, I can't wait to get this thing started. The later he starts, the more other programs across the country are going to be finished with spring practice. That happens. Players that aren't, Uh, first string, or players who are dissatisfied, whatever the reason is, uh, will put their name in the portal, and if he can have a spring practice that lasts two weeks longer than most spring practices, he can get some of those guys to jump in the portal and get them to USC at the conclusion of the last week of USC spring practice, and really start selling it, let the players that might come see what's happening. So I think there is a certain strategy to uh where he starts spring practice and where he doesn't so it will be something to uh keep an an eye on uh, as far as i'm concerned uh eric you you chimed in did we get to you or
3: we we already got to you we did and then mark absolutely shut me down but it seems like uh, everyone's kind of on the on the same bait right like how quickly how quickly this thing can get going and and kind of the the key spots if it's Wide receivers catching passes, offensive line blocking. Everyone's sort of jumping on the same page. I think that's kind of um, again, offensively that that you know mesh point. They talk about mesh point when you're handing it off and, and that sort of thing. But the mesh point of the whole offense coming together and, and getting rolling. Uh, how long that takes. And, and Chris has got a Chris got a look on his face like like he wants to say something too. Well, Maybe no, let's say something. Oh, go ahead, Mark. No, I was just oh, I was gonna... pointing aggressively.
1: I'm I'm kicking the ball to you so you can take it in for the score. Um your point was it, you know, the offense needs time to come together. So for whether they start soon, which we're hoping they do, or start later, it, it doesn't matter. If you're if to Greg's point, if they're looking to shuffle more players after the fact, getting the offense to mesh at some point has to start. And you can't do it if you're constantly looking to move maybe one or two more players three or four more players here or there it's just it, you gotta go with what you got go ahead chris I, I, think- I don't
0: have i don't have much more to i was just going to apologize to eric i mean he gives an answer mark then trashes him and says he doesn't like the answer and greg after i don't know a minute and a half had forgotten that he even said anything that's <laughs> and i think you're a better contributor than that eric i think you've been treated badly today
3: I just we we got to get the hat. I need some orange slices. We got to regroup. We we got to hit halftime here. You,
2: you know what that and that's an excellent segue. Thank you, Eric. Let's go to halftime. All right. Here's the question: The Rams have won the Super Bowl, which will place heavy focus on the NFL fan wise in LA. Does the Rams' victory and winning the Super Bowl put more pressure uh, on USC to win a national championship sooner rather than later? And what can USC do to counteract the growing Rams popularity uh, to reach a uh, potential fan base that includes not only past fans that no longer go to the Coliseum, potential fans that are thinking about going to uh, attend USC games, or just general fans in, uh, in general? Uh, Chris, uh, address that uh, those questions, please.
0: I don't think USC has to worry about that. Uh, while it's probably true that having NFL teams means that there are some casual football fans that will buy Rams tickets instead of USC tickets, what USC has to do is win and be entertaining. And if they do that, then they're going to they're going to draw crowds. Uh, NFL attendance and college football attendance have been dropping for years now, um, and um, and so uh, you know it is tougher to get people to the stadium. Uh, Everybody has really nice televisions and it's comfortable just sitting at home. Uh, So getting people to the seats requires you to put a really good product on the field, which I think they're probably going to do, but here's the thing. Um, USC with Lincoln Riley is in a long-term, a long-term situation. You would expect that they will get better this year, better the year after that, and be good for a number of years into the future. That's not going to be the case with the LA Rams. That's not the way the NFL works. Um, The Rams went all in on this season and it paid off two years from now the Rams will be eight and eight Uh, Rams fans aren't going to like me saying that but that's the reality and so that's nothing for USC to worry about their job is to win football games and be fun uh and be fun and exciting if they do that people will show up and I think that's probably going to happen
2: you agree with that Eric is that what's probably going to happen
3: yeah you know it's not just the Rams, right? The, the Dodgers won, the Lakers won. Like there, there's a lot of winning going on in LA right now, but I still don't think any of those things put more pressure on USC to win a national championship than just hiring Lincoln Riley. That, that was stepping into the spotlight and saying, this is what we're going to, we're going to win. You don't, you don't hire Lincoln Riley with the idea of, I eh, mean, you know, maybe we'll be okay. No, you, you go and get him, to win national championships. And, and so that was USC kind of volunteering themselves to say, yeah, that, that's what we're going to do. The, the other teams winning. I don't see that being a big issue. And, and USC, again, like, like Chris said, if they're winning and they're fun to watch, people are going to come out. If they have to buy USC and Rams tickets, then they will. Um, but I, I think for the most part, people love it when USC is good and and they'll the Coliseum, you know, do stadiums get filled anymore? Like Chris said, the the attendance has kind of been an issue for all all kinds of reasons. And we've seen that for a long time here, but uh, people are going to come out to see USC if they're winning. And again, hiring Lincoln Riley says we plan to be winning.
2: Mark, how do you you, uh, see this whole thing with the NFL and getting fans to come to the Coliseum?
1: Yeah, I don't want to say anything above what Eric just said, because it was was gold. So Eric, he, he took the halftime speech and he ran with it. It's a beautiful no, it, thing, isn't it? It, it? And he's right. There's, USC does not, they don't compete with the professional dollar. The celebrities and the elite and everybody wants to come out and watch winners regardless if it's USC or, you know, the other school across town. Um, USC is, we saw that during the peak Carroll years. So, I mean, when I had season seats, I had, my seats were actually better than Bruce Willis. I mean, that guy was sitting behind me 20 rows. Uh, so that's you know, that's where the competition you're big time, Mark. That's impressive. <laughs> I was standing in the herd section 13 fact, <laughs> right over your right shoulder. You could probably see me a little bit standing there. Um listen to Mark
0: main dropping though. Do you hear that? You know, I get better, I get better seats than Bruce Willis. I'm a big deal. That okay. was
1: back in 2005, so... Well, yeah. you know, he, he was known
2: as... He, Mark, yeah. Mark was once known as Hollywood Mark in the yes. herd. He was uh, actually the, a bobblehead. You may not be aware of that, but they actually had a bobblehead for Mark. I uh, am
1: still called a bobblehead, so absolutely. <laughs> not um, not so, a
2: knucklehead, but a bobblehead. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, they're not
1: competing for the professional dollar. Uh, you know, just win and everybody will show up. And regard, you know, if it's a big game, on the stadium will sell out. Other than that, you know, USC is going to get their stadium filled 75%, 80% when they're winning. So yeah, there's no extra pressure. The pressure is what USC puts on themselves. When, they, when they're taking their PR guys around to the Super Bowl yesterday and they're making sure they're getting Lincoln Riley photographed, they're getting Reggie Bush and Caleb Williams photographed, that's the pressure. You're saying, you know, we're winning, like what's going on behind us. And if you're going to do that, you're going to promote it. You know, you can't just talk about it; you got to walk it. So that's where the pressure will be. It's, it's not competing for the dollar. LA's got the dollars to compete. That's not the issue.
2: Well, I will tell you this: I'm actually fired up that the Rams won the Super Bowl because I do think it puts pressure on USC to remind them of where they need to be. You know, I thought that uh, Chris brought up a good point uh as far as players and uh, you know celebrity players flashy players look there was a picture i think many of you saw it uh, on twitter with reggie bush and uh you know lincoln riley and uh, the whole the whole thing and and caleb williams and reggie bush uh sc has the star power sc for at least as long as i've been following them which is a long time um has always been able to be on, when you start. who are the three top uh, sports programs, pro or amateur, in Los Angeles? It's always been the Dodgers, the Lakers, or the Lakers and the Dodgers, and at worst, USC. USC is the closest to an event when SC is going well, uh, tailgating and everything. And I'll tell you what, you know that Snoop Dogg just loves USC. You know it. And Dr. Dre just loves USC. I have no doubt that Caleb Williams, after they obliterate rice, which I'm going on the record right now, I know that's not a big thing. That's rice. a
0: gutsy call, Greg. You know, I, I was
2: hoping Woo! that you, I would I yeah, I know that was a little difficult for you to handle, Chris, but you know, the bottom line is is the average fan just gonna read that scoreboard. They're gonna watch TV and look at the highlights. Look at Caleb Williams is one of the few. Player that has ever entered USC as a transfer, whether it's Portal or whether it's uh, JC, whatever, that has this amount of acclaim. And if he passes for 300 yards and runs for 100 against Rice, I mean to tell you, Snoop will be on that sideline. I think one of the interesting factors, honestly, is we know from uh, his history that Lincoln Riley runs basically a very vanilla with the media in norman oklahoma that you could do that but i think that he's going to see the big advantage and i'm sure that pete carroll will tell him you bring in some of those people uh famous people like snoop Dogg, the kids relate to and they're there at your practices he's going to put that on twitter i mean I, I i get twitter like most of you guys and i get the lincoln riley uh, twitter and he's he's tweeting all over the place uh you know Uh, Reggie Bush and everybody else he gets it the question is Is can he get himself to do it so it shows up in practices at the games Uh, we'll see I think I think they're in great shape I I agree with Mark the USC uh, fan the question is can they get the USC fans that were so turned off to come back as a season ticket holder and watch games again or are those people going to say you know what, I don't miss getting up or getting home late uh, to the games. I enjoyed it on TV. It's not as important as it once was. Can you get those people to come back? You know, the Rams are, and it was, I put this in my column, the Rams are really basing eight, nine, 10-year-olds watching that Super Bowl and becoming the fans of the future. And what SC has to do is arrive at a big time program. You know, I was thinking about this You have the national champions in high school in modern day. You have the pro football champions in the the Rams. And by the way, I agree with Chris, they'll go eight and eight uh, in a couple of years because they sold their soul for this year and good for them. It worked out. Beautiful thing. But in two years uh, you know, all those draft choices they gave up and who knows what's going to happen. But I I think that SC is in a good position, but they have to strike. Now they have to strike now. you know, one of the, one of the things that I think is going to be interesting is how fast will number thirteen jerseys be out on the streets in Los Angeles after the first couple of games? And number thirteen is what Caleb Williams is going to be wearing. Chris, yeah, I know you're oh. your moving. I I thought it was, you were a freaking ventriloquist.
0: First of all, you you heard it you heard it here first. America, USC will beat Rice in the opener, and. The world Chris, will be so Chris, excited Chris, Chris, by that Rice Chris, win that Chris, all the Hollywood Chris. stars, all the kids, will be buying thirteen jerseys. That's big news, Greg. You broke big news today. Chris, Chris, Chris. What, what is those, what is no, the Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not done. The no, old, you're never done. That's the problem. <laughs> only the second biggest news of that halftime. That was the biggest halftime of this weekend, despite the fact that this is Super Bowl weekend because we got your prediction on Rice, which was which was something. And we heard Mark Culkin talk about how he gets better tickets to games than Hollywood stars. Hey, Culkin, who was sitting behind you at the Super Bowl? Is Al Pacino 20 yards behind you in the Super Bowl? What was yeah,
1: you know what? My, my seat was the throne in the uh, in, in the men's library. <laughs> All right, well, uh,
2: Chris, on, Chris, I'm, I'm going to yeah. move on here, but right. I, I do have a question because I know that we all respect your views highly on this program, and Good. I know that Good. viewers even saying that you should have your own show. They're right, and I, I right. could I I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. Oregon uh, fans would
1: I, tune in. The they, Oregon would be the first fans to tune in. You
0: know, there's no question. Folks. about must that. Be mark. Let him ask his question. What's your
1: question?
0: <laughs> What's your question on the Arlen show? What is it?
1: You'll have to say
2: please. <laughs> all right my question to you uh counselor
0: yeah
2: is uh what will the score of the rice game be
0: 47
2: to 10 you have that much confidence that rice can score 10 points
0: rice rice is going to come up don't stutter
2: like... you just think that it's 10 points
0: what what, what is that don't there, you're stuttering stutter. that again
2: that's is... just 10 points is you think that rice can score 10 points against usc's defense?
0: Greg, first of all, there are children out there that have speech impediments, and they are not at all happy with what you're doing right now. Okay. <laughs> Second, Rice is going to score points in garbage time. They're going to score. They're going to score late in the game when when we have the, the third stringers in there. That's assuming the USC's defense doesn't look like it did last year. But I think that's our third quarter uh, segue. So um, let's ding that bell and get going. <laughs>
2: Well, we'll do that as soon as I say this. Before we begin the second, begin the second half, a reminder that you're watching or listening to wrsc.com's Inside the Trojan Subtle. This week's WRSC we panelists include Mark Colkin, Chris Arledge, Eric McKinney, and I'm Greg Katz. We encourage you to check out wrsc.com uh, on the inner part of the On3 network and become a subscriber to the best coverage of USC football and Trojans athletics. And as a bonus, for those of you that are curious, there's currently a free WeRSC uh, seven day free trial, and you can view our exclusive On3 uh, Plus content. Okay. There is the bell. We begin the second half kickoff in third quarter with this topic, which is kind of an add on uh, from the second quarter. What are the biggest question marks or challenges in spring practice defensively? And we'll start off with uh, Mark Culkin. What are the challenges or questions? that we need to find out uh, for spring practice.
1: Can, can we start somewhere else? I'm waiting on hold for my reservations at the Laundry restaurant. So, um, uh, but no, I you can start on the defensive line. You can start at linebacker and you can work your way through the secondary. There are questions everywhere. Um, so you were kind of throwing a hissy fit about, you know, to Chris, you know, that Rice is going to score 10 points. Cr- Greg, you do remember last year's defense, right? Yes.
2: You know, Mark, I was just kidding. I know. I but to, e- even you if you jumped you've done... on me, that, I've never seen this side of you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Mark. Wait. I want you to finish this. This Chris is already moving his lips and words no, not. I'm I, just going to say, oh, wait, Chris, you,
0: Chris, Chris, we will I'm get to I'm not going to stutter and get mocked by you again. <laughs> I'm just
1: going to sit here and be quiet. No, this is really where Lincoln Riley and his staff are going to have their challenges, um, is just getting the defense capable of, you know, shutting out rice, which, you know, at USC shutting out rice should, you know, that shouldn't be a topic of conversation. Um, th- there's a lot of question marks on defense. There are no starters returning in the secondary or at cornerback for sure. Um, you've got a lot of experience returning, but you don't have any starters returning defensive line. You've got Thule, You're you've got the potential of Corey Foreman, Um, and then from there you're you've got potential and you can say that at the linebacker position so you know i I don't need to belabor this you know eric and and chris they can they can take over there's you can pick a position and you've got some question marks all
2: right maybe we can get some answers on those question marks from chris chris
1: yeah
0: i'm happy to belabor it um look Last year's USC defense was probably the worst USC defense I've ever seen. They were terrible at all three levels. They were out of position. They were undisciplined. They were lazy. They were bad tacklers. They were terrible. So there are question marks all over the place. There's nothing but question marks. And you add to that the fact that USC uh, or uh, Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley was not always great defensively either. And um, the defense has a lot of question marks. Last year, Rice would have hung 30 on USC's defense. That's 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 what they're trying to bounce back from. Now they have some they have some new guys that I think will uh, will help. They have uh, they have some younger guys that didn't play nearly as much as they should have last year. That may help. You have guys like Corey Foreman who may have breakout seasons, but there are question marks all over the place. And that's why the offense needs to uh, needs to get cohesive in a hurry because. USC may have to win some games, 42 to 38 this year.
2: How do you feel about that, Eric? Is that is that what we're looking at, uh, high-scoring games? Or what are the challenges that they can get accomplished in spring ball?
3: This is where I say they're both absolutely wrong, and I disagree with everything <laughs> they, that they said. Uh, no, it, yes, yes, right? I, so, So if I'm kind of – you know, taking a, a smaller approach corner is, is probably the spot that I'm maybe most interested in. You lose both those starters. You've got a couple guys back, profit Brown and, and Sierra, Wright. And then, and then you bring in two guys, LaTrell McCutcheon and, and Makai Blackman. And so how does that shake out that depth chart, but there's nothing more important than the front seven. You mentioned Thule, Nick Figueroa. I, I, you love what you have there. Maybe the, the best set of kind of bookend defensive ends in the conference Outside of that, every position, and there's a couple new guys coming in. How do they fit? What does it look like? And and before Mark jumps on this, yes, I would assume that there are additional front seven guys coming in after spring ball. So I don't think you need to have all your answers. What do we look like against Rice? What do we look like in the in the you know second half of the season? You're not going to find those answers, I think, coming out of spring or in spring, but you need you need to i don't know bake the cake and then add the frosting like you you need a, a good uh sense of what you do have and and a, and that sort of stuff in place um there in the front seven and and you need to get back to where when you're USC and you take the field against rice or against some of the you know the the bottom half of the Pac-12 that, that you win it getting off the bus that the other team shows up to the coliseum or whatever and and they know we can't run the ball against these guys we, we, you know we we know that we're going to be in trouble. Can you start to kind of maybe establish some of that thought this spring in that front seven? You know, we, we saw the monumental challenge when the old new staff came in and all the, that defensive mindset and all that. It, that. There was a, a lot of talk about what we're going to do and what we're going to bring. The, the lift from where they were before that to try to get to it It was huge. And and they've got kind of the same thing here and expecting one off season to get four years of work done. That's, that's a lot. It's, it's a big ask, I think for this defense, but you want to start seeing it in spring. And so, and so that for me is the question, can the defense set the tone, especially in that front seven, what kind of mindset is there? What kind of talent is there with, with adding some of those new guys? And what do you have at the end of the spring ball up there along the line of scrimmage uh, for, for USC. And that, it's, there's position battles and things like that. And, and you need the secondary to play better across the board with a bunch of new faces who are going to get a lot more time. Saw some time last year. But for me, it's, a, it's that front seven uh, and, and kind of the mentality that they end up bringing.
2: Well, I think that um, getting the defense to play better, I'm optimistic about it. And the reason I'm optimistic about it is it's easier to teach defense than it is offense. Uh, You know, you could plug in a guy that would come, let's say, not during spring ball or participate in spring ball. Somebody transfers in for August training camp. You could plug him in on the defensive line. And I think that it would just, uh, just be a, you know, a matter of just getting experience along with the other players. I like that. I think that they plug the middle linebacker position, uh, you know, with the Alabama transfer, uh, the question really is on, on defense where I don't think depth is a problem in the secondary, I think experience may be a little bit there. Uh, but how, how much more can uh, Randall go forth improve? What is Corey Foreman going to do? What I'm really fascinated. What are they going to do with him? Uh, the challenge is for Corey Foreman. In fact, I, I was I, I know why it hit me this way. I, I saw a picture, I don't know if maybe Mark took it or something at the basketball game. There's a picture of of uh, Caleb Williams sitting next to Corey Foreman. And I got to think that Caleb Williams will have a big impact on Corey Foreman. Something tells me that that Corey Foreman is going to feel a lot of reasons. I think he felt a lot of reasons anyway, because he's been pretty much dissed in the offseason about, you know, overrated. But I think Caleb Williams the type of guy that can look at him and say, look at I didn't come in here to, you know, to be four and eight and I need a defense. I don't care how many points we score. You got to be there. Mark, you want to say
1: something no, to it. that, to your picture, to the point of your picture before, you know, the students filled in the student section, there were two rows of seats that were reserved for the five-star football players. Uh, they were stationed there specifically to make sure the cameras caught them for every, for the media, for the TV, for everybody. Um, so Yeah. Corey Foreman was brought to that game, sat down next to Caleb Foreman. They're the, you know, they're the jewels supposedly of, you know, this football roster. You know, you had CJ Williams back there, Damani Jackson. Um, there's still a mystery player. That, have we figured out who that player was yet, Eric, in the white t-shirt? Have you, have you figured that out yet?
3: No, I didn't. I didn't uh, pin it, but I did want to jump in. Reserve, he was in that reserved row. I, I did want to jump in here, Chris. I can only assume that Greg took a direct shot at you with that defense is easier to teach thing as a corner. I, I assume what he means is just any idiot can, can walk in and, and play corner.
0: It turns out not any idiot can because I didn't play it particularly well. So it might have been a shot at me. That's within Greg's character to do that sort of thing. But uh, I didn't take offense. Greg, I forgive you.
1: He's trying you know, to damage his I'm the actually at ratings. a loss of
2: words. It's not often that I can be at a loss for words, but Chris has a way. I feel like I'm on a witness stand, being uh, deposed. And uh, I will say this: that's I one think- of the that's
0: one of the requests I get most from people is, can you find a way to make Greg Katz at a loss for words? So that's <laughs> that's really my fundamental <laughs> goal coming in every week.
2: Well, you know what? I think you're accomplishing your goal. I have to give you credit for that. I will say this. Uh, Brandon Peely is very important for this team. If he comes back healthy, if he plays to maximum efficiency, he could be a big help uh, being lined up over center or shading one way or the other. If he gets in shape, uh, he you know he knows what it's like to be out of football now. He knows what the, your lifespan can go on any given play, whether it's during a game or in practice. So I think he's a big key. If they can get some stuff proven in the spring that he can help uh i think it's going to be a good thing i am looking forward to seeing the progress on defense i in fact i'd be honest i haven't been this excited for spring ball in a long long time uh i can tell you uh you know i've just been weaned on when sc is great i know you know lincoln riley always brings this up i know what a championship team looks like not only do i know what a championship team looks like I have been coaching on national uh, championship teams. I don't care whether it's high school or it's college or the NFL, there is a feeling in practice or during games when you're with a championship team. And I never felt that with clay Helton's team. There was, I never felt, I used to walk in there dreading practice. You know, I love seeing the media guys and shooting the, the bowl with them, but to watch those practices was like, man, I might as well be watching paint dry. And I think that Lincoln Riley's practices are going to be fascinating. I hope he lets us all in. That'll be an interesting concept. Like I said, he might have to change. But defensively, no, I think that uh, the Trojans uh, could be better. I, you know, from the comments that Lincoln Riley makes, he, he says that, you know, there's a lot more answers than there are questions. So I'm sure with uh, Alex Grinch, I think he was a little bit more reserved when we saw him in that uh, uh, introduction of coaches to the media uh, which is okay. Uh, but I think, I think the SC defense is going to be better. It just has to be better because I agree with Chris, uh, the offense is going to be one of the, by the end of the season, uh, they really could challenge Notre Dame, uh, if they can learn how to stop people and not make it a, you know, a Jerry Lewis telethon, uh, you know, high, high numbers. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. All right, let's move on. All right, we been begin the fourth quarter, and I think uh, with my new background, I'm so pleased to do my lighting of the Coliseum Torch. Uh, the highlight of the show. It is. It's definitely, you know, I, I'm worried about, you know, Mark has to, uh, has other business he has to do, and I know that I'm checking our clock here, and see, Mark, just check the clock again. It's paranoid. He's got to hang
0: out with his Hollywood friends.
2: Well, I understand he was going out with Dustin Hoffman tonight. They're going to sit there and we we'll have a private screening of the graduate again. And, uh, you know, that I think, or maybe it's heaven can wait with, you know, with. Uh, you,
1: you know me, I'm out there flaunting without a mask as often as I can. So it's just another opportunity.
2: You, you, I think what you, you were, Mr. COVID, I think of, of 2020, right? Was yeah, That was there? me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we had a segment last time that I think worked pretty well. Uh, questions from our viewers or listeners. Uh, again, those of you who'd like to ask a question of our uh, astute panel, um, you can go to the We message boards, either go to the Gary P board or, or the We Are SC members message. If you have a question, you'll, you'll see the, the topic thread regarding questions uh, for inside the Trojans huddle. So let's, let's go to the questions. Guys, feel free to jump in. We don't have to have any formal, you start us off. Um, This is from Red Eye USC in frozen Catskills, New York. Uh, Will the Pac-12 championship game remain in Las Vegas? Now that I believe USC is a potential uh, perennial champion, I plan to attend every year, if only to defrost for the weekend. So uh, feel free to jump right in here. Is the the Pac-12 championship game going to remain in Vegas? Who wants to take a crack at that one?
3: It's, It's there this year. Um, when they announced that it was going to go to Vegas, it was for last year and for this year. And, and there has been no official statement about, you know, going beyond that. You have to assume, right, with, with SoFi in L.A., that's going to push to host it at some point. The Raiders Stadium, absolutely, I, th- I think, is it. If it bounces back every every couple years, you know, trades back and forth, I, I could see it, it being that. I don't think... I don't I, I guess I don't see them saying, hey, for the next 40 years, we're definitely going to only have it in in Vegas. Um, but but I would assume that those are, are two pretty safe bets, um, that, that it will be in one of those two stadiums for at least the foreseeable future.
0: And wherever it is, it's going to be warmer than uh, than that place in New York, the frozen place. So yeah. he's still he's still good.
1: I can guarantee you it won't be in Norman, Oklahoma, so um, I can see it rotating between vegas SoFi, maybe arizona uh you got three warm weather environments three really nice nfl type of stadiums so um yeah for the time being it's you know eric said, it'll be in vegas for this coming season and then who knows what it'll be in the for next few seasons after that they'll explore it clive cough likes to play uh you know, he likes to go which way, whichever way the wind is blowing, so to speak. It seems.
0: Well, I tell you, I think that doesn't, I, so, that doesn't sound like a a vote of confidence there, Mark. I mean, you you miss You miss the old guy. You miss Tennis Larry.
1: No, I'm just I, I'm not a fan of people who follow trends and go with trends just because it's the cool thing to do. Um, you know, again, it, it was a great. A lot, it think. was a great halftime show, but I guarantee you, those guys aren't on Clive Cop's shuffle. Promise you. It was a cool tweet, though. Uh,
2: I will. I will just chime in. I, I think that it, when SC gets really good, uh, which is hopefully sooner rather than later, and they play that game in Las Vegas, if it's that particular year, I think, I think the amount of fans that will go to USC will be massive, uh, because I think the uh, idea of you know going to Las Vegas, it's an easy jaunt. You don't even have to fly. Uh, I, I think if you know Kleikoff sees that he's going to get all you know warm and fuzzy, you know, say, look, we should keep it in Vegas. We have our basketball tournament there; uh, people love going there. And, and honestly, I wouldn't have a problem if it stayed in Vegas as long as it looks good and the image is good and people have fun because that's what it's that's what it should be all about. All right, let's go to question two. This is from SC, the one in the OC. I assume that's Orange County. Uh Mark you might know this Eric you may be able to chime in as well. Uh But I don't your...
0: know it. What's that all about? I've been told the question Chris, and I've already Chris. been told I don't know anything.
2: Well <laughs> there you go with your own persecution complex. We Man. try to stay away this
1: from that. This is why the people
0: want me Greg you've been a show.
1: hostile witness. Greg has been Greg. a hostile with... witness this. Today. is
0: why people are saying Arthur oh, should have his own show because from time to time I don't even get to answer a question and they're and they're upset. That's fine. Go ahead. Answer the question. I'll be quiet.
2: You feel better now? No, I didn't think so. All right, has there been any official or unofficial announcement and when spring practice will be held, whether practices will be open to the media and the fans? This is from uh, SC, the one in Orange County. And also, what did Oklahoma do with regard to practices open or closed or limited uh, in the past administration? Okay, so uh, guys, do you want to jump in first of all and say what what do you hear on the uh, opening of spring ball?
1: I've had zero updates since that last speculated rumor of, you know, the first week of of March. So, Eric, have you heard anything?
3: Yeah, the the latest I heard was probably later in March. Um, They do that, that, you know, there's uh, the spring break that runs from, I think, the 13th to the 20th. And from what I heard, the idea is to maybe start it after that so that you don't have that week long break that kind of cuts up. Uh, how it goes. And and that's kind of what Greg referenced earlier is then you are going, you'd be going deeper into April there where on April 15th, when that evaluation period starts, you can't just flee campus and and send coaches everywhere, but maybe you get more recruits and all of that who can come and, and, you know, see more of the practices and that. So again, nothing, you know, definitely nothing official at this point, we're kind of creeping mid-February and, and getting in those, it's going to start before June. I You know, we, we can say that officially. Um, but, yeah, so so that's kind of the, the latest. As far as open or close, I think if if it was absolutely 100% up to Lincoln Riley and what he would want to do, he would put these practices absolutely. underground. They would be absolutely as closed as possible. I think he understands coming to USC, the way USC has operated in the past with that, there is going to be, again, my assumption, a meeting in the middle of where it is open, how much of it is open, how much of, you know, this whole practice is open, this one's closed, the portion of practice is whatever that ends up being, I, I don't know yet, but it's going to be far more open than he had things at Oklahoma. At Oklahoma, it was it was very shut down. You had very little access to assistant coaches or players. I think when Caleb Williams went on Good Morning America, the Oklahoma beat kind of lost their collective minds. I I think it was like the third time that he had spoken publicly since hitting a college campus. So that's kind of how things operated with the media there. Uh, Again, Lincoln Riley early on has seemingly understood what needs to happen now that you're in Los Angeles with some of these guys and, and the assistant coaches uh, being available when when they did their introductory press conference, so I, I would anticipate a huge change from what it was at Oklahoma. There's a chance he may, you know, keep things a little bit more locked up compared to what USC has been um, publicly. But I, I would still anticipate USC to be an absolute outlier as far as how much media availability there is compared to the rest of the country, where just program after program, coach after coach are, are are shutting media out completely as much as they can. So again, it's always, USC is always going to be, I think, really good about that. When we talk to other media people about, you know, who we can talk to and and what practices we can watch, it's, it's kind of jaw dropping for them to to hear that the USC still does that.
2: Chris, do you want to chime in on this at all?
0: No, once you told me I didn't get to answer, I just tuned everything out. I literally haven't been listening to the show for the last three minutes.
2: All right, you know, shows you progress is quirk slowly. Um, I I will say this, um, you know, based on what I researched on LinkedIn Riley, um, you know, they had a situation that happened, I think it was last year with uh, Caleb, where the media was not supposed to say anything, okay? Which is understandable, but apparently the Oklahoma school newspaper went and report, they went on top of a building and reported seeing that Caleb was starting or what have you, and uh, it just completely blew Lincoln uh, Riley's mind, and he banned all media from uh, watching them practice and stuff, which really, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but the young uh, newspaper really, uh, you know, cut off your nose to spite your face type of thing. It was terrible. I don't think, and I think Eric makes a good point, with the Good Morning America thing, uh, if you want to promote your players, you can't do it in silence in L.A. You can't say L.A. is the second or biggest media market and then shut the media off. I don't think SC, to be honest with you, I don't think they're in any position to shut anything off from a good public relations uh, situation. I hope that uh, personally that they, uh, you know, logically present to Lincoln Riley, all the benefits. I think he does know it because the way he's tweeting out things and I hope he will uh, you know, uh, I know this for the spring game, this, I, I, they, what they did last year uh, they divided the spring game up into two 15 minute halves. Okay. Uh, What that's basically uh, you know, a half a football game. I don't know, based on television and the Pat, uh, 12 network whether that's going to be sufficient for them I don't think Lincoln Riley will care if that's sufficient to them or not he'll say this is what we do work around it or to have you and I think that he has that right to do that um uh and I know that they had a big uh pre carnival before the spring practice game so uh you know I I think that probably Lincoln Riley will say hey this worked at Oklahoma how does it work here it makes I, sense
0: though, because most Oklahoma fans are Carnies, I think. So I, I can understand why they would have that before the spring game.
2: You know, I'm going to let Mark uh, just one very quickly. Uh, you would you like to? Uh, uh, I know Mark's feelings towards Norman, Oklahoma. He never
1: found a shot he wouldn't take at him, but go ahead, Mark. No, uh, back I, up, Chris. Cr- cr- he he cleared the fence with that one. There's, there's, <laughs> I'm just going to drink my adult beverage and enjoy it. Was great. I yeah.
0: increased our ratings by 28% by saying that because now the OU fan that's still fixated on USC, which is <laughs> the bulk of them, is going to send this to all of their friends. They're all going to freak out. They're going to say nasty things about me in the comments section. And I'm going to get the last laugh.
1: They're they're really easy to tweak. I mean, I literally sent a question: Has the Super Bowl ever been held in Norman? And this was, you know, from the view of Lincoln Riley's seat. And the fans in Oklahoma have lost their collective minds over this. And the whole point was, this is why he left. You know, this is, he just literally took a, a picture and sent it to the recruits across the country, you know, come to Oklahoma and we're going to put the, we're going to have the local car dealership, bring out all the cool cars and put them in our end zone. Come to USC. And this is kind of what you see every day.
2: You make a good point. All right, let's let's move on here. Question three. This is from Bort Simpson. Bort Simpson. That's a
0: great sentence episode, by the way. If you've never seen it, that's a classic reference. Good, good job works. by that guy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. Any sleeper picks for a breakout year from a player no one seems to be discussing. I'm high on Ray Davis. Go for it, guys. Who is it? Who is a sleeper pick that nobody nobody is paying attention
1: to? There are so many to choose from. I'm Mark, just, just throw pick one. Jalen Smith. For people who are not familiar with Jalen, little background. Uh, he's an athlete. Um, he he plays on the defensive side of the ball, safety, nickel. Um, he's just a guy that when he got his opportunities last year, he was always around the ball. He, he, he just makes plays. And I think going from his freshman campaign to his sophomore year, Um, I think you're going to see a significant jump from him. He was one of the more unheralded guys in the recruiting class. Um, but he's probably one of the better guys that came out of that class.
3: I mean, like Mark said, you can pick so many at this point, only people are only talking about Caleb Williams. So you can pick anyone outside of Caleb Williams, I, I, assume um, but uh, one on either side of the ball, I think that kind of maybe fits in there defensively. I, I'm going to go in the secondary too with Mark and, and say Prophet Brown. I think he's a guy who could be a guy at corner. I know you, you brought in, uh, you know, a, a senior, very veteran guy. And then you also brought in Latrell McCutcheon who uh, has some experience in this defense and as a younger, guy. but I, I really like profits game um, and, and think he could be a good one at corner. And then offensively, you want to go running back wide receiver and and that kind of thing in, in this offense. But I've, I've loved what Lake McCree has done since the day that he stepped on campus. Um, and I know Michael Trigg got kind of the attention over him, but he feels like a guy as a tight end that could fit in this offense really well. I think, you know, you, you've got another guy in, in Malcolm Epps there at, at tight end or maybe receiver who could be good, but uh, he he's a guy that, that I like to watch play at least. So uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say his name for that.
2: Chris, anybody strike you that you, uh, you see as a player that nobody's paying attention to?
0: I'm gonna go with Kyle Ford. We've had a lot of wide receivers um, uh, come into the program. Um, I, don't know, I don't know that Kyle was 100% healthy last year. It may have been, but uh, sometimes it takes a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit longer to get over those, uh, uh, those injuries. Um, but you're talking about a guy who is a five-star receiver, a big guy who's uh, who's athletic, um, and uh, and so it wouldn't surprise me at all if he played a pretty big role this year.
2: Interesting, good point. Um, I'm going to go. Well, I actually was going to go with just one, but uh, I'll I'll uh, dovetail a little bit on Eric. I I think Lake McCree is really a talent. I really do, and he's big and he moves. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying he's uh, Drake London by any stretch of imagination, but he showed me in those games he could take a hit. He could take a hit a little bit like a I, – I, this is a, a bad thing to say because I know it puts a lot of pressure, but a Cooper Cup type of uh, player uh, that, uh, you know, once he gets his feet wet and he gets a little bigger and stronger, uh, I think that he could be uh, a real player. Also a player that – the one I want to mention was uh, Michael Jackson the third. I, I think that this guy is electric and uh, you know, you, you hear the other names, Taj Washington and some of the others that are returning, but I thought in the amount of time that he got a chance to show what he could do, he could really be explosive. And I, I would be surprised if he's not in the mix and I hope he has a wonderful spring because I think he's I've got a wonderful talent. And I hope uh, that, uh, that the coaches will, will, will see that. I think they will. Because I think he's just that talented. All right. Let's go. Based on, let's, I'm sorry, Greg,
3: but based on yeah. what he did in the spring as an early enrollee and during practices, he he was the shock for me that it took him that long to, to get kind of thrown out there consistently. I, I thought I, I think anyone who watched practices would have expected him to, to be on the field a little bit more substantially or earlier in the season. So yeah, I'm I'm right with you on him.
2: All right, let's let's uh, let's move on here. Uh, question four from Hector Spector. Uh, I apologize, but I guess I'm a little confused. Is there a chance that Brew McCoy will play at USC uh, or has that ship definitely sailed? Thanks in advance. The answer to that is?
1: No, ship has sunk. He's gone.
2: He's gone. He's in the portal, right?
1: He will never play at USC. Let's just move forward.
2: All right, we uh, there's your answer to that question uh uh question 5 from uh uh burrito 03 burrito i guess the question uh for greg do you think the usc needs to add more offensive line depth and is there someone who you think uh they would like to pursue in the portal i'm going to open this up i think this is a question for the rest of you guys as well uh I think they always need help on the offensive line and quality to, to get depth. Uh, I don't know how some of these, I, I do believe that this offense is going to make a lot of the players better than what they've shown, because I felt they were so restricted and I've used this term. They were playing in a, in a phone booth, uh, you know, Hey, maybe Brett Neilan, if he gets a chance to pull out as a center can kick out guys on the, on edge rushers, you know, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know how, how good Justin Dietrich is going to be uh, where he is. All I know is they're going to have a lot of freedom of movement. And I think when they hit their landmarks, if they get him fast enough, uh, all of a sudden people will say, oh my gosh, this is incredible. What a turnaround. Uh, some will say, well, but the coaching is great. And I expect the coaching will be exceptional, but the system could change how a lot of these guys look. In, in my my opinion. I, how how do the rest of you guys feel about that
3: well let's let chris jump in before he tunes out and and we lose him for the rest of the the show
0: too late too late but look you always you always need more high quality offensive linemen it's the most important part of the team um whether they have anybody in the portal that they're interested in i have no idea but um but uh and i think the offensive line group is going to be all right uh and maybe better than all right but uh, but yeah, if there's a if there's a 320 pound guy who can move that wants to that wants to come to USC, then I suspect Lincoln Riley will take him with open arms.
2: You know, it's interesting you say that, Chris, because I was called by a friend of mine this morning, and I have not checked, so I, I will tell you right now I haven't. He says that there's an Oklahoma offensive lineman that was once a five star that's in the portal, and I don't know if that's true or not because I haven't been able to confirm it. I haven't looked, but you know, there's going to be guys from some of the top-notch programs that may not be where they liked as far as uh, the depth chart at the end of spring ball. And it's pretty much out there that SC is trying to restruct, uh, you know, restructure, rebuild, call it what you want, restock their offensive line. And I think that that's going to be something that everyone's going to see. So it won't surprise me if they bring in two more uh, offensive linemen out of the transfer portal. But again, a lot could depend on whether Josh Cunerly of uh, in Seattle signs with the Trojans. I think if they, if they can get him to sign, I think I think the door is open for future big time high school offensive linemen. He'll draw that big of attention from the from the world of offensive linemen. I want to end this segment. Uh, it's a very quick question. It doesn't. I don't think we need to make. But I want to get the question because this person I think has been trying to get on the show here. It's from Big Daddy. And big daddy says has there ever been a hire at usc with greater and more immediate expectations and optimism i assume he's talking about uh, uh lincoln riley so go
1: for it guys no oh no. <laughs> not close
0: no not close
1: I, I i yeah i think this this person was just looking for some um, affirmation
0: hey big daddy um, big daddy thank you for watching the show we're big fans yes. of you too how's that no happen? doubt
1: about it Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. No. I mean, Pete Carroll was what the fourth, fifth choice, begging for the job. Correct. Before that, um nobody was looking forward to to Paul Hackett. And you know, USC social media has created the uh you know this immediate need for success. So, yeah, USC hasn't been in this situation before, so to speak.
2: I will say this uh, again. Deferring to being an old person, uh, basically, Uh, when John McKay left to go to uh, Tampa Bay, it was a big story at the time, who's going to replace John McKay, and a lot of people said well it's going to be Dave Levy, he is the logical choice, and as we know a lot of times logical choices don't always get picked for whatever happens within the little administration world they went with john Robinson. And John Robinson had left USC to go to the Oakland Raiders at the time. And they brought him back. And the reason was is John Robinson could work a room in the cocktail room, the high booster club rooms and make people laugh. And, you know, he was a good coach. Um, As we know, he did go to the college football hall of fame, but I know that when he got hired first, there was a disappointment. Like why, why would you not pick levy? Because he graduated from UCLA at the time. Uh, that that was you know always seemed to be a a kind of a sore spot among sc boosters although he was a fabulous coach just fabulous Uh, but when they hired robinson there was this idea that they were going to pound the ball and do a lot of what mckay was doing and 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 in robinson's first cycle he lived up to it for the most part Uh, they were really powerful in the late 70s uh, kind of started to decline a little bit in the 80s and he left. Um, but uh, there was anticipation because Robinson had there been social media, he probably would have really uh, hit the airways. Uh, whether he would have used it like Lincoln Riley, I don't I don't know, but it was it was an interesting uh, concept so, we're we're good with that. We're all Greg. We're all Greg, yes,
3: let me sir. let me hop in just to clean up the, the previous one. So so I'm assuming Bray Walker what would be the name, the Oklahoma lineman who went. In, he he went to the portal. Uh, December has been in for a long time. Do, does not feel like there's a lot of USC interest or, or mutual at, at this point. It doesn't feel like there are uh, offensive linemen right now in the portal. Again, after spring, yeah, there there's going to be guys jumping in. And, and for me, along the offensive line. I, based on, you know, having the transfer portal now, yeah, I would use whatever available scholarship you had that might be unused going into the season. If you can find a guy who has one year left, an interior offensive lineman, a, a tackle, I'd, I'd absolutely bring him in regardless Of kind of what the, what the roster looks like. If he can help you in practice, if, if it gives you depth, um, that's something that I think the transfer portal has done. You need a guy who might come in without any kind of guarantee of playing time, but you can do that, you can go find a one-year guy to just fill out a, a scholarship if there isn't a walk-on uh, that you can give it to. So I think there's always there's always a reason to bring in big guys uh, to, to the roster.
2: Thanks for that update, Eric, and putting a name to that uh, transfer thing. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, guys, we're going to go into overtime with a rather a quick but interesting question here. Uh, if you were in charge of marketing and promotions at USC, and we're having a USC bobblehead giveaway on the first game of the season against the Rice Owls on September 3rd in the Coliseum. Who would be that bobblehead? Mark, who
1: would you have? Reggie Bush. Oh, the godfather my. the Godfather of NIL. Kick it off. Do it right. Yeah. I can't think of a better person. You know, I actually didn't think of that, but
2: that is a, that's a reasonable uh, thought. Uh, I would have personal mixed emotions about that, but it, I think it's definitely a good a good thought, especially the way he's been making a PR comeback. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Who would be your bobblehead?
0: Oh, I'd make it Lincoln Riley, but I think, but I'm I'm enamored by this uh, Reggie Bush idea, just to just to anger the NCAA. In fact, I would want, I would, and I'd want Reggie not to have a
2: bobblehead, but i want him to be holding the Heisman uh, in the bobblehead. That
0: would be fantastic. You <laughs> have
2: him pose in the Heisman bobblehead. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's you that. know, as wacky as that sounds, I, I could see them doing that, honestly. I could RC, honestly see USC, them doing it. If you're it.
1: listening and watching, you have my permission. We'll run there you. you go. What better, what better endorsement
2: could you get from the great Mark Culkin? Uh, Eric, what do you think? Would be your I've you got head. a
3: bunch of answers. I mean, the the obvious one is the Chris Arledge bobblehead. Uh, I, I think you, that's how you, you kick off the season.
0: Good. That's gonna that's gonna increase the attendance big time if you're getting that. Right, with, right. Uh, with the you, you
2: know, Eric, that he was too modest to say Chris Arledge, but
3: I know uh, he. We I might, he we might
2: have. To, I knew someone would. I wasn't going to do it myself.
3: You know what? I he sent me a text. What? He said, "Please, please answer <laughs> answer this way." I uh, think
2: what we, should, what we should do in the future. Uh, and I would need permission from all of you, especially our editor in chief, Eric McKenny. The best question submitted for the week gets a Chris Arledge bobblehead.
1: <laughs> that is an awesome
3: idea. Perfect. And so you know, you know what would
2: be really beautiful? Because I've seen this when the Dodgers do it that you could push a button and the best of uh, Chris's snarky remarks could come out, such as Greg, you fill in the blank, however he wants to do it. We'd allow Chris to. To give maybe four or five of his most famous comments, uh, I think that every fan that uh, at one point we had 11, 12,000 fans listening to this, right? Can you imagine that the, the amount of excitement, momentum we could get? I didn't know I months? was going to
0: get an NIL deal out of this. This is very exciting for me. Well,
2: you deserve it. I don't think anyone <laughs> would argue about that. You are deserving of it. Uh, so Eric, did you want to say something besides the obvious Chris Sarlage? Uh, yeah,
3: yeah, you know, say if, if we couldn't get the rights, right, if, he, if he's too much to, to get the likeness, um, the petty answer is a, a Sooner schooner where the wheels bobble off. Oh, maybe yes. Go with that. Um, I really like Mark's answer of Reggie Bush. I would do maybe all seven. Heisman winners, you know, all all the heads bobble. Uh, the answer the answer, Chris already got. I, I'm just talking around because I, I don't really want to agree with Chris but yeah, Lincoln Riley is is the answer of, of Heisman. So start. you don't
0: have to agree with me. I'm going to change my vote. I want a Mark Culkin bobblehead with a little tiny Bruce Willis bobblehead <laughs> right behind
3: him. Forced perspective, Bruce Willis way in the background. Yeah.
1: That is classic. So a bottle of Mad Dog in the background. That is classic. Oh, yes. We're doing it.
2: Well, I'll tell you, uh, I hate it because, you know, I, my feeling is with Reggie is, you know, obviously, he never apologized and I don't want to get into it. It's the end of the show. We've had a great show, but, um, you know, I could see logic in it. Uh, I could also see logic in Lincoln Riley because you're trying to promote something that definitely would not be controversial. I don't think Reggie Bush's bobblehead would be that controversial, to be honest with you. I think by the t- time he sold how many Wendy's hamburgers, uh, and by the time he's, you know, taking enough snapshots with Caleb Williams, I don't think Caleb Williams is quite ready for the, uh, you know, bobblehead, uh, March, at least at the start of the season. Uh, maybe if he's really running good, maybe Notre Dame game, give him a bobblehead for that one. If he's really thick in the Heisman Trophy race or what have you. But okay, How about a dancing
0: Brian Kelly bobblehead? That would be, <laughs> it sort of spins around and his head bobbles as he dances. That'd be the, hip,
3: the hips can bobble. Oh, yeah. For the Notre Dame game,
1: that would be great. What a visual. That is awesome. Well,
2: I'll tell you what, I think we're going to have to go to the On3USC marketing department and bring up these ideas and we'll create our own bobblehead for the week and Maybe we can give something out uh, to the fans, at least uh, in an imaginary way. So uh, good job, guys. Uh, All right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, This has been this edition of Inside the Trojans Huddle. A big thank you to this week's panel of Mark Culkin, uh, Chris Arledge, and Eric McKinney. And a big thank you to all of you for watching or listening to Inside the Trojans Huddle. So until next Tuesday, this is your host, Greg Katz, reminding you all to... Fight on, everybody.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumpacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumpacasino.com and play over a 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prices. Chumpacasino.com.